You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Football Live as we dive into day two of Big 12 Media Day in Arlington, Texas. Last year's champ Kansas State takes the podium today. It's Oklahoma's last talking season at the Star. And speaking of stars, we have got a lot to get to as two of the new conference members are in attendance. And we've got two stars here joining us from Arlington. Andre Ware, former Heisman winner and former Sooner standout Dusty Dvorak. We'll get your thoughts in just a minute, but I want to dive right into Oklahoma, who took the podium today, guys. Picked third in the preseason poll, and they're open to answer some questions locked by last year's disappointing season. They finished 6-7 and seven in Brent Venable's first year at the helm. Their first losing season since 1998, but all focus, he says, is on this year. As we know, I mean, we've got a lot of things that we got to get better at and the improvement process and things that we got to focus on to get better and be more competitive uh, than what we were a year ago. So we're incredibly excited. We've got high expectations. We're optimistic. Everybody does this time of the year. Uh, I get my, you know, enthusiasm and excitement, you know, based on what I've seen, you know, over the last several months since January. Uh, what we learned from a year ago, uh, you know, and the, the players that we have returning, and then the, you know, we have 40 new scholarship players. You know, we have 60, 123 guys on the team, and 63 of them are in their first year. You know, at Oklahoma, 97 of the 123 are in their first or second year. So we're a young team. You know, how quickly we can get this group of newcomers to to blend in and uh, to fit, you know, what we're doing, um, you know, systematically and culturally in that locker room is going to be the key to our success. According to ESPN Analytics, Texas and Oklahoma both have over a 50% chance to make the conference title game. Oklahoma, they've been a mainstay in the Big 12 title game, appearing in 12 in a 13-year span. However, they missed the championship in consecutive years, their first time doing so this century. So a lot to get to here. And Dusty, I want to start with you. I mentioned former Sooners standout. You also played for Brent Venables when he was a defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. So what is it about about him that you think that this program they can find the success that they want to get back to here in his second year look he's got a standard for defense and it's excellence and last year they fell so short of that standard it's not even funny and he knows that I think the biggest thing it's year two in his system so the guys understand what they're doing at a much higher level that is massive because this defense isn't easy it's not basic it's very multifaceted you have to know every single integral detail of it and they weren't that last year I think the personnel upgrade is going to be substantial too Desan McCullough comes in from Indiana you also get a Rondell Bothroyd from Wake Forest several other transfers they've rebuilt that roster they've recruited well I think personnel and year two in the system is going to give this defense the opportunity to be much improved in year two under Brent Venables Andre yeah when you I think when you look at it uh, he 
maybe too much too fast because we, we, we talked to him. He threw everything at him. And sometimes it's better to take a simplistic approach and kind of dummy it down a little bit and then build on it as your team starts to understand it. He wanted to make a big splash. He gets it. And I think he's really dialed it back in a lot of, a lot of areas. He did a deep dive into this program. What was wrong after just winning four games? And they know they they lost some close games, but at at the end of halves, the second halves in particular, where they were coming up short, changed the the off season approach to how they're going to do things this year to make sure that they are more they have a little bit more energy at the end of games. So they brought in an influx of transfers to try to get them back on the right road. They've won 14 Big 12 titles. You guys mentioned the defense that is not what you're used to seeing from Brent Venables and what he expects. But the other side of things is the offense and the quarterback, of course, that he has coming back. Got to feel good with a guy like Dylan Gabriel coming in. And we're going to be excited to see what he's able to do because he's got quite the stats to back up what he's he's already done so far. 95 touchdowns over his career. That's good for second most among active FBS quarterbacks. Trails only Sam Hartman, who you will hear from later in the show. He'll join us. He's also one of three players with 25 passing touchdowns touchdowns in three seasons over the last five years. And Dylan Gabriel, he caught up with our Pete Thamel. Dylan, there'll be a little bit new look to your offense this year. Uh, strong offensive line. Some new weapons have to merge at receiver with Marvin gone. Walk me through a little bit of how you see the identity of this offense forming this season. Definitely got a, you know, strong guys up front. And, you know, that's definitely a, a great group that we have. Um, but just feel really good about all the guys, you know, thus far. You know, a lot of young, talented guys that, now, obviously, experience is not not their strong suit, but once they get that, you know, obviously they, they're very talented and capable of doing exactly what we need them to do. Uh, a six and seven season for Oklahoma is not something the program's accustomed to. How did that motivate you guys in the offseason, Dylan? I think everyone was aware of it, and you know, coming into this year, just very focused on, you know, flipping the script for us. But uh, that that starts in January and has started for us, you know, through spring ball and summer, you know, training, uh, just with the mindset. Uh, of straining and finishing. So um, just had that as an emphasis, and, you know, we're, we're very eager to get on the field. So more for time for this offense to continue to grow and gel together. But, you guys, when you have a quarterback like him, one of the most experienced quarterbacks this year in all of FBS, you got to feel pretty good. Andre, what do you need to see from Dylan Gabriel this year in order for them to be successful? Well, I, I thought he had a great season last year, a solid season last year, and, and uh, enough did enough for this team to have a successful season and to win more games. He's just got to take care of the football a little bit better. Uh, you saw in the previous highlights and intercept, a couple of interceptions and a fumble, the ball's coming out. Those can't happen. And then he's just got to be the leader that this Oklahoma team really, really needs. He's a senior. This is his last go around. You heard Brent Venables talk about just how young this team is. 97 players or so are within their first or second years. So there's a lot of youth there. Dylan Gabriel is the the uh, the unquestioned leader of this team going into the season, and he needs to play like it. He's, he a, has proven, to play he's like. a proven player, yeah. and he's got to stay healthy. When he went down last year, they had no option as a backup quarterback. That's going to change this season. I think Gabriel's better in year two. Needs to complete some of the deep passes, vertical passes better. But Jackson Arnold, one of the top high school recruits coming out, he's there now to add depth to that quarterback room. When they played Texas last year and Gabriel was out, they ran wildcat. You're not going to beat a team like Texas, run the Wildcat. Enter Jackson Arnold, who came in the spring. He did a sensational job, wowed the coaches, wowed the teammates. It's Dylan Gabriel's team. 
But if anything happens to him, Jackson Arnold will be ready to step in and fill that void. Well, and having that backup quarterback is obviously going to be a big deal in case they need it. But obviously, the other question is who's he going to throw to? Lost their top two receivers from last year. So going to be interesting to see who is able to step up and fill that void. And speaking of filling voids, what are we going to do when there is no more bedlam? Circle on your calendars, November 4th in Stillwater. The end of a rivalry, at least for now anyways. The Bedlam rivalry has been pretty lopsided across series history. Oklahoma has won 91 games compared to 19 wins for the in-state rivals. Oklahoma, of course, moving with Texas to the SEC at the conclusion of this season. So here's what Oklahoma State head coach Mike Gundy said yesterday and then Brent Venables, his take today on if we could still get more Bedlam in the future. Take a listen. Oklahoma State's not going to change what we do because Oklahoma chose to go to the SEC. They need to change what they do because they're the ones that made their mind up to go to the SEC. So with all the talk from administration and people saying that Oklahoma State needs to do this and that, all Oklahoma had to do was not go to the SEC. So it is what it is. We can cut right to the choice. So for me, um, I want to listen to the board, I'll listen to the president, I'll listen to the AD. If that's something they want to do, I'm good, but I don't think it's going to happen based on the way the scheduling is. And everybody needs to realize it didn't have to happen if they didn't change leagues. I don't know what the future holds. Uh, nobody asked me in my opinion other than you. Uh, the people that matter don't. And so we just play the schedule that, that you know they present us. Well, now I'm asking you guys your opinions because are we going to get more of this in the future? Dusty, you know all about this rivalry firsthand. What, what are your thoughts on if we could see this work out down the road? I hope so, Kelsey. Look, rivalries, tradition, games like this, what college football, college sports is all about. Look, I understand why Oklahoma State's upset and they don't want to continue to play. It makes sense for them. They don't want to schedule a game where they've lost 91 of the last 108 times they've played each other. So I understand <laughs> that. And I get Oklahoma's side. They needed to go to the SEC. I think at some point, not in the near future, but at some point, they rekindle this rivalry and we see Bedlam once again. Yeah, this is one of those games that <clears throat> I think college football needs, but a lot of traditions, Dusty, are going out the window. Yeah. And so, you know, with this, this is just what the college football landscape has become, where you start to lose matchups, uh, and uh, significant matchups like Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Yes, if they want to play one another, hey, the easy thing to do is to carve out a date, maybe later in the schedule so that we get the same type of uh, cachet that we were getting all along from Bedlam with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. But I think just schedule one another. I just so. schedule at some point. The administrators get together. Put, put, this, put this game on the schedule and, and let them keep playing. They need to, for sure. I'm sitting over here with fingers crossed and hoping that they're able to figure it out because obviously Gundy okay. says, hey, they left. They can figure it out. Brent Venables has other ideas. Would be great to continue to have that. Obviously, you guys touched on the tradition, and it is one of the best rivalries in college football. Still more to come here on College Football Live. TCU, they might have repped the Big 12 in the playoff last year, but it was actually Kansas State that won the conference title game. What will it take for the Wildcats? to repeat this year, plus four newcomers to the conference this season, including UCF and Cincinnati. We'll hear from both teams and discuss what impact they can have in year one. You're watching College Football Live.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Andre Dusty and Kelsey here with you on College Football Live and Talking Season. Well, it is upon us. Big 12 Media Days just wrapped up. And we're going to dive in now to the defending conference champs from the Big 12. Because how about what we saw from Kansas State last year? Coming off its first 10-win season in a decade, and the Wildcats, they look primed to make even more waves this season. They returned eight starters on offense from a team that won the Big 12 championship for just the third time in program history. Now, Will Howard, their leader, he will once again lead Kansas State's offense. The 6'5 senior, he recorded multiple touchdown passes in six straight games last season. That's the longest streak in a single season in program history. Now on defense, some questions. The Wildcats, they returned just 52% of their production, ranking 94th in F. They've got some major holes to fill after losing six defensive starters, including four in the secondary. But still big expectations for this team after what they accomplished last year. Here's their head coach, Chris Kleiman, on managing those expectations. I've been fortunate to have that ability to have conference and, and national championships and then try to replicate it. And the first thing you have to do is you, you learn from experiences, but that was last year. It's a new team. It's a new era. It's, it's everything's brand new. And what those guys accomplished was phenomenal, but it's this year. And uh, we're, we're happy we've got a lot of guys returning that are a lot of humble guys, that are a lot of our guys. Our best leaders are our humble guys. Have you ever heard somebody so casually mention, you know, defending back-to-back -back national championships? I've been here before he has when he did it with North Dakota State. But, guys, now he's here, has the opportunity at Kansas State to try and defend that title. Andre, what do they need to do if they want to win another Big 12 championship? Well, they got to take care of Will Howard, make sure that he's upright all season long so that he can – uh, improve on his numbers from last year 15 touchdown passes he took care of the football throwing only four interceptions but it was part-time he's the unquestioned leader on the offensive side of the ball for Kansas State he's gonna have to play well uh, sometimes the hardest part of success is forgetting about it and I think they've got to as fast as they can forget about last season realize this is a new group a new team that coach Kleiman uh, hit on when he was on talking to us earlier today that uh, they've got to wash out last year and then start to prepare for this because it is a new season but the first order of business is taking care of Will Howard. Will Howard was great I thought he was one of the most improved players in the country last year 2021 he couldn't play Last year when he stepped in, one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12 in college football, down the stretch leading them to a Big 12 title. And why they 
will be able to keep him upright. All five starters back on the offensive line for the Wildcats, including Cooper Beebe, who might be the best guard in all of college football. So that offensive line is going to help them. You got to replace Deuce Vaughn, but they've got a guy in DJ Giddens that they love, and they got Trayshawn Ward from Florida State to transfer in. Receivers in area they got to replenish, but uh, Ben Sinnott, they're tied in, a major, major uh, a target that you're going to see for Will Howard. The offensive side of the football should be back and very strong with a bolsterous rushing attack for the Wildcats. You guys hit the main thing uh, other than that that I wanted to talk about, which is Deuce Vaughn. I wonder if he's wandering around there, if you guys seen him at and Stadium with the Cowboys <laughs> now, but he made such a big impact on that team. So big holes to fill and very important that they keep that quarterback healthy for sure if they want to do that. Let's look now to some teams that are joining for the first time. Two of the four teams that are joining we got to hear from today. You and Cincinnati rounding out those new additions and Cincy they own the best record over the last five years against other power five programs UCF also trying to do what they can we hear from John Reese Plumley now you can expect uh, UCF uh, as a fan base to, to bring a lot of energy in, in any stadium we play in and if, if you get to come see the bounce house you definitely should because it's it's uh, unlike any place I've ever played for sure um, but it, as far as uh, expect from us you can expect some guys that are ready to compete um, obviously we have a, a championship mindset um, we've UCF has been playing really good football for a lot of years and we uh, prepare and uh, hope to continue to do that. We're just extremely excited to be in the, the Big 12. You know, I think Cincinnati football has been trying to get to a power five level for so many time, so many years now. And uh, so, yeah, but it's going to be a transition period. You know, we're, you know, moving from the American to the Big 12 now. And um, we lost a lot of players in the offseason. Uh, you know, anytime you have a coaching change. And so trying to add add the pieces to the puzzle, you know, went to the portal. And I think we got in 21 players that are, that are added to our team and on, on top of the freshmen as well. So. There'll be a period of transition where you know we got to be able to to recruit you know in the trenches, some big, get some more depth and big guys um, to be able to compete at this level week in and week out because that's the biggest difference. You know, week in and week out, you're playing teams that have been established that are you know you know power five teams have been there for a, lo a long time. So so yeah, we're looking forward to that. But uh, but you know, hey, we're we're excited to be in the Big Twelve. All right, let's start right there with Scott Satterfield leading this team in the Big 12 and expectations. Always high for Cincinnati, guys. They know what it takes to get on college football playoff biggest stage and to play for a college football playoff. But a new head coach for them this year, Dusty. So what's the focus got to be for Scott Satterfield early on in this season if they want to come in and be able to make an immediate impact? Well, the focus has got to be to integrate all these new pieces and get them all on the same page as quickly as possible. Only seven returning starters from this team. You go back, you reference that college football playoff team. A lot of those guys are gone to the NFL or via the transfer portal. So the biggest thing is to get, you know, team chemistry, build that culture, which was already strong under Luke Fickle. But so many new faces, so many new pieces. I think it could be a struggle year one for Scott Satterfield and Cincinnati Drake. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you with all that that has gone on there. The the late start that he and his staff got to recruiting to uh, all the players that exited through the transfer portal. And then you got to bring it's essentially a brand new team. But that's not going to tamper down uh, expectations from the fan base because you're looking at a team that's coming off a playoff appearance so they're expecting the winning ways to continue uh, it's going to be tough because you're in a tougher conference how tough and why 
Well, that answer comes in the form of the trenches. You no longer have the luxury of having a first string and a second string. You have to have a one and a one eight, and a guy that is equally as good as the, the guy that starts the game to replace him and give him uh, breaks during a game and so on and so forth. So I don't know that they're at that stage yet, which is going to make for a tough season for, for Cincinnati. A lot of transition all around with the Bearcats this year as they get ready for their first season with the Big 12. UCF, though, is some somebody, uh, a team that I think you guys are both pretty high on and what they'll be able to do in their first year. Andre, besides the bow tie that we just saw, what is it that gives you confidence <laughs> about what we're going to see from this team and the fact that they can come in and actually make an impact in, in the earlier on in the season? Yeah, it's their quarterback and Plumlee. I mean, he is a tough competitor. He is what you want as the leader of your program. Guys follow him. You hit a home run. Then you go play in the spring game because he didn't have to. The coaches would have excused him from the spring game, but he wanted to. And that was a message to his teammates playing hurt in their bowl game last year where he's dragging a leg and a bit from a bad hamstring injury. That's the, that's the kind of player that you get that you're getting. Uh, he, he it means something to him. He's tough. He's the leader of the program. And uh, I think everybody else just falls in place. UCF, though, Dusty, they're set up of all four teams coming in with the most experience yep. and a schedule that allows them, I think, an easier transition into the Big 12 more so than any of them. Yeah, it's a veteran quarterback that's the leader of this team. They know that. And he's a guy that's an amazing athlete. And you're bringing a new offensive coordinator, really hone in on developing him as a thrower. If he can get better, more consistent throwing the football down the field, he's going to open up this offense. Two excellent receivers coming back, including Javon Baker. This offense can take another step. And defensively, it's an outstanding defensive line with three starters coming back. They're going to have a chance with good quarterback play and a quality defensive line to have success year one in the Big 12. Had some guys graduated, but they do have R.J. Harvey coming back, running back that could come in and continue to make an impact as he had five touchdowns last year. Guys, before we move on, we love all the nitty-gritty of college football, but we also love when social media gives us little gifts like Gus Malzahn and the UCF football team did because Ted Lasso no more. Take a look at Gu Gus Lasso. I mean, they've got the sign <laughs> behind them and everything, you guys. The mustache awesome. is pretty good. Are we Ted Lasso people over there? And if not, then I think the show's over. It awesome. looks great. Watched a little bit. I, I like Ted Lasso. Yeah. If we're being honest, though, the first season was by far the best. The but best. I'm a Ted Lasso fan. And I love the Gus Lasso. That's fantastic by UCF. I was gonna... in on it a little bit. Not, I hadn't dived right into it, but I've watched a little bit. Well, it, it, that's that's funny. It's that's not like one. you're about to get busy and have no time to watch it and dive in. Just have the memory of a goldfish, <laughs> and everything will be okay, as Ted Lasso says. <laughs> Guys, much more to come right here on College Football Live when we come back. It's not just Big 12 we're talking today. We're talking Notre Dame. Marcus Freeman getting ready for year two at the helm of Notre Dame. Find out his plans for the team's opener in Ireland. He joins us on College Football Live. Welcome back into College Football Live. Let's switch gears now and talk about the Irish. It is year two of the Marcus Freeman era and it comes with a change of quarterback. Sam Hartman, he transferred from Wake Forest. He was one of seven players to record at least 3,500 passing yards, 35 passing touchdowns, 
The Irish could use that. They ranked 87th in FBS passing yards last season. They've also got a new offensive coordinator this year. They promoted tight ends coach Jared Parker to replace Tommy Reese. Freeman and Parker, they were assistants together at Purdue and Cincinnati. Now we'll see what that offense looks like this year. As for the defense, Got to fill the hole left by Isaiah Foskey. He had 11 sacks last season. That was tied for the sixth most in FBS. He's off to the NFL, and we are joined now by their head coach, Marcus Freeman, also Sam Ocho with us now to help get into this interview. And, Coach, we appreciate the time today. I want to talk with, with you first about the start of your season. And it doesn't get much more Irish than going to Ireland to play Navy Week Zero. I know there's a lot of excitement about that. There's also logistically some challenges. What's it like trying to, to figure out that week zero game? Yeah, I think the fortunate thing is that you, you had a lot of NFL teams, a lot of other teams that have done it, that you can make some phone calls and say, hey, what did you change um, in terms of when you leave, how you start at camp? And uh, we came up with a great plan, and I feel really good about it. Then something funny happened. I went to Hawaii for about eight nights uh, about two weeks ago with my family, and we took the red eye back. But what it did was give me a, a real-life experience of what our players will feel like um, when we leave on a Wednesday night and land there on Thursday morning. So I kind of tweaked the plans a little bit just through my own experience. And so um, I'm looking forward to it. We're looking forward to a challenge and playing Navy um, in week zero. But there is some logistical challenges that we have to prepare for. Coach, I got a chance to spend time with you and your team a few weeks ago, and there's so much that you do for this program, but what I'd like to know from you is, what makes Notre Dame special? Well, I think it's the, the pride, the history, the tradition, and, and sometimes you think about that, you think boring, but it's so special. And I didn't know that before I got here. I probably had the same perception of many, that many others have. It's like, oh, it's a great football school, it's tradition, it's, it's Catholic, and then you get here and you see the pride that, that the Notre Dame network has, the people that have come through this place, and that's what makes it special. There's a lot of pride in the football program, but a lot of pride in the university itself. I've covered Notre Dame from afar the last four seasons and got to go on campus for the first time this year, and you feel it as soon as you get on campus, exactly what you're talking about right there. And, Coach, you've got some passionate fans as well, and you guys last year finished 9-4. and four, You get a bowl win, but it was a tough start to the season with the 0-2 start in your first year. What did you learn from that stretch that can help you now in year two? Yeah, I think most importantly you learn that it's uh, not as easy as you think it might be. And, um, you know, to start off the season 0-2, uh, you lose a tough one to Ohio State, um, but then you lose one to Marshall, and, and it makes you kind of question everything you're doing, right? And, and I've said this before, but everybody says trust the process. At that point, you say you got to fix the process. And, and as I look back on that time now, um, as you go 9-4, and four, you look back to especially that Marshall game and the Stanford game, you're really grateful that it happened. And nobody wants to lose, but the most growth we did became, a, became after those losses. And um, you don't want to have to go through those, as I said earlier, but you know what? I'm grateful we did. Um, I think we're all better. Um, there are going to be other tough trials and tribulations that happen in the future, but it takes some of those difficult moments to truly grow. And um, I look forward to hopefully trying to grow from, from wins and close wins than, than a tough loss. <laughs> Coach, you talk about some of those close wins, and obviously you're going into your second year as a head coach. Uh, a, a question for me is, what keeps you up at night? What right now, obviously you got training camp coming up, and you, you understand that the, what's ahead of you. What's keeping you up at night during this time? Well, sometimes i got a four-year-old that comes and hops in the bed <laughs> and, and doesn't want me and my wife to get much rest. And, uh, 
you know, obviously you want to take care of your family at home, but it's, for me, it's given our program, our players, the best chance to have success. And that's what keeps you up at night is did me specifically, did I do everything in my power to make sure this team is prepared for the 12 guaranteed opportunities that we get? Because that's what it's all about. We train all these days a year. We practice so many times for 12 guaranteed opportunities. And I want to make sure that I give this group of men um, the best opportunity to have success. Well, something that I know helps you sleep at night, I'm sure, is having the quarterback that you have, Sam Hartman. And I want to dive into him, but you've had this whole offseason with him. You've also had the offseason, you mentioned, going to Hawaii. We've got some of the other looks at what you've done this offseason. Got to be pretty cool to go to the Kentucky Derby, another experience <laughs> that I've never had. Looks like a great time there with the friends and family. But you go from the Kentucky Derby, not just that, you're also going with Sean Payton, hanging out with the Broncos, getting that look at that. And then back to your quarterback who you go fishing with, Sam Hartman <laughs> from the South, big fisherman himself. Uh, first and foremost, Coach, Sam's coming on later, so tell us the truth. Were you a good fisherman, and is Sam? He's a good fisherman. Now, when we were together, he didn't catch a fish, right? <laughs> and the minute we leave, I get a picture from him and say, hey, Coach, look at this big fish I caught. And so – so I said, you were Listen, bad man, luck. Yeah, if you can't do it under pressure, you know, then I, I don't know uh, if you're going to be the right guy. But, um, yeah, he loves to fish. He comes over to our house a lot in South Bend and fishes. But the guy loves to fish. But, you know, as the head coach, you're asked to do a lot of speaking requirements, right? And, and I go and I speak at a lot of Notre Dame networks and Notre Dame clubs. And um, the only thing I try to tell our, our university is that, hey, I want to coincide speaking engagements with professional development. And what you try to see is even a chance to speak in Charleston, South Carolina, I get a chance to go and spend a few hours with Sam Hartman and his family at his home. And then I spoke in Denver, and then I, I got a chance to meet with uh, the Broncos coaches. And I was in Minneapolis with the Vikings and spoke with the Vikings program. So it's not always NFL teams, but I want to make sure I'm constantly growing as a leader. And, and there's many different ways to do that. And I know maybe you look at Kentucky, Kentucky Derby and say, I don't know how much growth you were doing there, but um, – <laughs> I was able to actually sit down with Pete Bilvacqua, who is going to be our future athletic director um, at Notre Dame. And so we spent some time together there at the Kentucky Derby. Coach, I don't know how this is going to make you feel, but it is exactly 44 days until you get to see that on the big stage in Ireland. We cannot wait to see it. Best of luck this season, and we appreciate the time today. Thanks for having me. It's time to get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> All right, still to come on College Football Live, Joey McGuire and Texas Tech, they're looking to reach new heights this year in the Big 12. We'll hear from the Red Raiders head coach on those new heights when we return on College Football Live. Welcome back into College Football Live, day two of Big 12 Media Day, wrapped up today. And we've got to talk some Texas Tech because Joey McGuire, he's got plenty of good to build on from year one. And he's not just getting the buy-ins from the fans because of the 8-5 record they had last year. He also set social media ablaze. Let me take you back to April. Texas Tech football challenged its fans on Twitter to get head coach Joey McGuire to safely climb one of the cranes that was over Red Raiders Stadium. So you're taking a look at the crane, and before you can do that, you got to get the family to weigh in, right? They had some thoughts on the stunt. His wife giving the firm shake of the head by tweeting, mm, I don't think so, McGuire. Look at that angry face afterwards in the stop sign, not having it. Plus, his daughter, Reagan, asked for at least a delay, tweeting, can you at least wait to do this until after you walk me down the aisle in a few weeks? That seems like a pretty reasonable ask. 
May 6th, Coach McGuire, he did indeed walk his daughter Reagan down the aisle. Congratulations to the family on the beautiful ceremony. But then on June 19th, you get the retweets, you put it out there, and then you hold true to your word. Coach McGuire going through the safety precautions ahead of time, makes the climb and gets to the top. Cashes in on what he said he was going to do. Our Pete Thamel catching up with him today on the ground. We're here with Texas Tech coach Joey McGuire, fresh off a crane climbing 220 feet after uh, 3,000 retweets uh, on, on the Texas Tech social media site. Joey, w walk us through climbing up that high. Well, first, 3,000, and it's Texas Tech. You would think that we would have gone like 10,000. I, I knew I was going to have to do it once they said 3,000 because it went really quick. But, it, you know, I'm not scared of heights. I'm kind of an adrenaline junkie to an extent. And um, it, it was, but it was an ordeal. I mean, I had to go meet with her safety officer. I had to sign some paperwork. I had to wear certain clothes. And um, it was, it was really incredible. The, the view from the top, uh, seeing Lubbock from that, seeing Jones AT&T Stadium from that view uh, was really cool. And then of course, we got a great shot. Uh, our video guy came up and we had a drone and all that. And so we got to use with, with uh, season ticket holders. And so that was always good. Was it harder to climb up or climb down? Oh, harder to climb up, without a doubt. Coming down was, was really easy. It was funny, Tyler Shuck was yelling at the bottom, hey, you're halfway up. And I was like, man, I got to take a couple of deep breaths because, you know, going up that thing, it was. It was, uh, it was taxing, but um, coming down, it was a breeze. Opposing defenses had to take a couple of deep breaths last year uh, with, with the way your offense came out under Zach Kitley. Walk me through, Joey, the case for optimism that Tyler and company can really take another step forward this season. Well, you know, I think it starts um, a little bit with Tyler having, for the first time in his collegiate career, the same offensive coordinator. You know, he's had a different offensive coordinator uh, pre every year previous to this, and so I think that's huge. I think we're a lot better up front. You know, and that was the guy, those guys, they would be the first ones to tell you that, uh, you know, they really had to grow. We had a lot of inexperience in the offensive line, and so I think we're better up front. And, and whenever you have a quarterback that's year two, the talent that he has, you have the opportunity to be really good on offense. And Dusty Dvorak, Andre Ware back with us now. I want to talk about Texas Tech, but first of all, I know it's been a long two days for you guys. You're ready to get out, probably a plane waiting. How many retweets would it take for you to do the rest of this show from the Raptors at AT&T Stadium? Andre? Yeah. 50,000, <laughs> 50,000, Kelsey, at least. That seems I, I do doable. not like heights. I no. give it up. That seems I doable. I give it up to Joey McGuire. I was impressive. Andre? No, that, that, that's not a number on There's no number <laughs> on that. I won't admit to being scared of heights, but I, I have a dislike for heights. Let's I was good until way. they showed the drone and then you were looking down and I was like, no, 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 I'm good yes. right where yeah. I am. Yeah. Um, Texas Tech seems to be good right where they are as well. You guys, last year TCU was the team that really came through, exceeded all expectations. Dusty, could Texas Tech be that team this year? Yes, they could be. I'm very high on the Red Raiders and I'm high on Joey Juice because that's what Joey McGuire brings, juice every single day. That infectious personality has permeated throughout that program, that fan base. And they did something last year, beating Oklahoma, beating Texas in the same year that's never been done in the history of Texas Tech Red Raider football. If Tyler Shuck can stay healthy, 
watch out for Texas Tech. Tyler Shuck, when he started and finished games, he's 8-0 in his career there at Texas Tech. Dre, I know you think he might be the most talented quarterback in the league. Yeah, I think he's got the most arm talent coming into the season than, uh, than anybody else in the Big 12. He can touch every area on the field uh, with his arm. He's, he's got good mobility. They've just got to keep him healthy. They've got an experienced offensive line coming back this year, so that shouldn't be a problem. I think it's 11 starters, which is unheard of on that side of the ball. Texas Tech going to come out firing at everybody. Can they hold up on the defensive side, though? I do think they're going to be a thorn in the side of many, many Big 12 teams this season. A couple of quality defensive tackles in there, Kelsey. I think that defense will be okay. Jalen Hutchings, an outstanding D-tackle. Tony Bradford, you pair those guys in the middle. they got to replace Tyree Wilson, but there are some pieces there that I know Joey McGuire and that defensive staff are really excited about. You guys touched on something with Joey McGuire that I think is so important, too. It's that intangible, right? He's got the players buying in. He's got oh, the yeah. fan base really feeling it. There's something to be said for that, especially when you're building on the success that they had in just year one. So you guys are high on them. So now let's really put your money where your mouth is, but don't really put your money. I'm just going to ask you about it. Let's talk about some win totals, and we're going to take a look at win totals from Caesars Sportsbooks, and let's start right there with Texas Tech. The over-under set at 7.5. So, Andre, what do we have? We like the over or we like the under on 7.5 wins for Texas Tech this year? I'm going to go with the with the over. You had to twist my arm a little bit because <laughs> of the schedule. The schedule is tough. I mean, week two against Oregon, that's going to be a physical football game. Can you come out of that one healthy? A, health, a, a, a tough trip to West Virginia is going to be tough as well on this schedule. That's just to get the season started. I Dustin. love that Oregon game week two. It's going to be electric night game, huge for Lubbock. And if they win that game, it could be a launch pad. But I think the Big 12 schedule sets up pretty well. No Oklahoma, no Kansas State, or sorry, you get Kansas State at home. You don't have to go to Manhattan. So I actually, I like the over. I think they're an eight, maybe even a nine win team in 2023. And they're picked fourth in the preseason poll. Meanwhile, Oklahoma is picked third. Their win total set at nine and a half. Andre, do we like the over? Do we like the under? How do we feel? Sorry, big, sorry, big guy. Got, I'm not. I'm not feeling nine wins. <laughs> I'm going under on this one. Uh, in the year two, I know it is, but you're talking about a total makeover, just about of this roster in terms of getting it, getting the pieces in place. That's going to take a little bit of time. Though the schedule sets up to where I think they can jump out. 4-0, there's a tough Iowa State game coming along with Texas in back-to-back -back weeks, and then it gets tougher from that standpoint. So I don't know that they quite get to uh, to nine wins. I'm going on. He may have won the Heisman, but he's wrong on this one. It's <laughs> over. They're bouncing back. They're a double-digit win team. No Power 5 team in the non-conference. It sets up great. As easy a schedule for Oklahoma as I've ever seen. They better be a double-digit win team or something's wrong in Norman. Give me the over, guys. That was a big disagreement there. A strong face there from Andre when you said over. Let's go now from Oklahoma to the team that we just talked about who won it last year, and that's Kansas State. Kansas State set at seven and a half. Andre, do we like the over? Or do we like the under? I'm going to go under. Uh, oh. Right at about seven is, is the number I've got to mark that. And so I just think it's too tough with this schedule. Deuce Vaughn gone. They were going to have to replace a lot of production with him out the window. Uh, this is Will Howard's team, though, and he played well. Uh, but now he is the unequivocal starter of this team coming into the season. There's no question marks there. He's going to have to be outstanding for Kansas State to get back to where they were last year. I just think it's a little 
too much inexperience out the door. I don't think they get there this Chris year. Chris Kleiman has won eight games in three of his four seasons. Make it four or five. They win at least eight games. They're going over. Okay, split on that one. How about UCF, a team that you guys are both high on, obviously one of the new four teams that are joining the conference this year that has picked the highest out of any of those four teams. Their win total is set at seven. Give me the over or give me the under, Andre. I think it's going to hit right on the number, so I guess I would go with it. It's a great number. Hit right <laughs> on the number. I'll, I'll go over here because of how it sets up early in the season. That trip to Boise State is going to be a little bit tougher than people think. Villanova, and then it's followed by Kansas State. But it's the back end and where you start to get concerned with Oklahoma State at Texas Tech and then Houston to round out the season of the opponent that they're are really familiar with. That's going to be tough to get to seven. I think it's right on the button, though. It's always fun to ride the Gus bus, but I'm going to have to <laughs> hop off on this one. They'll make a bowl game, they'll win six, but three of those road games are extremely difficult. Going to be a tough transition. I'll go under the seven for the Knights. I didn't have time to write believe, but that's what he would be holding up for you right now. Ted Lasso, believe <laughs> for you, Dusty Dvorak. Uh, let's go one more. Let's go Cincinnati, the other newcomer. They're over under set at five. Andre, how do we feel about five for the Bearcats since Scott Satterfield's first year? I'll, I'll, I'll go over, but I think it's going to be tough to get to that five. Uh, you're talking about a, a schedule here that is just tough at Pitt. Oklahoma at BYU, a team I really like this year, that October 14th game against Iowa State. Baylor, I mean, this is just a gauntlet that is tough to navigate, and let alone you're going in to a new conference. So uh, five wins going to be tough to get. I'll, I'll go right there at five. This program has been so good the last four or five yeah, years. They're about to take a massive step back this year. Scott Satterfield's working into a walking into a tough spot. Emory Jones has got to step up and be a dude. If they get close to this, I think it's under. I think they're like a four-win team their first year in the Big 12. So much turnover, question at quarterback, a lot of questions right now with this Cincinnati program. Well, the best thing about this time of the year is that everybody feels good because nobody's played any football yet. So despite what we think right. or what's happened yet, right. as long as they're healthy, the teams feel good, which brings us to our media day poll, which, hey, does, does any coach actually like what comes out of this poll? I think not, even if you're at the top because then you've got a target you feel too good but here is a look at the entire preseason media poll for the big 12 texas leading the way they had 41 of the possible 67 first place votes kansas state oklahoma texas tech tcu baylor oklahoma state rounding out the top seven and then of course the newcomers over there on the right side of your screen west virginia picked last again so before we get your thoughts on this year, I got to do a little shout out and let me remind you guys of how last year's predictions went. Take a look. Let's go out on a limb a little bit here, Wendy, and I'm going with the Kansas State Wildcats. We've been talking about them all day. You talk about what they have on offense coming back. They are loaded. If they get consistent quarterback play out of Adrian Martinez, along with Deuce Vaughn in the backfield, three other top pass catchers come back. They've got dudes on the defensive side of the football that can flat out get after the quarterback and control the line of scrimmage. If this is a year, they've won the conference twice. If, this, if there's a year where Kansas State could, could show up and maybe be a surprise team and win it, I think it's the Kansas State Wildcats. Can we give the man his flowers? I mean, brush your shoulder off guy, over there. How, how we feeling, Andre Ware? Yeah. Uh, now the pressure's on because Kleiman talked about what it's like to go back-to-back. -back. You go ahead. Try to go back-to-back. -back. What do you think? What are your thoughts, Andre, on what we're going to see from the Big 12 this year and who can win it? 
Oklahoma State. They've got the easiest record, the easiest path to get there. If they can get good quarterback play and consistent quarterback play, this is a team that I think has, has 11 wins in it and maybe even a, a Big 12 championship. I have them here playing against Iowa State in the championship game. That's my uh, my pick, and I'm sticking to I it. I like the outside the box. I do like Alan Bowman next year, but I don't have Oklahoma State, and I don't have Iowa State. Kind of chalky, the two teams that are about to depart the league. I think they're meeting here, and oh, my goodness, I've done it. I got Texas winning their first whoa, Big 12 championship whoa. since 2009. Okay, I'm, huh? I'm okay. <laughs> they're, so, they're talented. Look, Sark's got it going. They're always they're talented. Unbelievably talented. They got to get it done on the field. I think it's the year. It's going to be Oklahoma and Texas right here. We'll say the Longhorns finally get one. It's been a they while. They are the preseason favorite, but not your favorite. So I wasn't expecting you to go that way. Congratulations if that ends up being true. I can't wait to run that back next year if it does end up being true. You guys appreciate it. Always good to talk to you and great coverage from Big 12 Media Day. Much more to get to here, though, on College Football Live. When we return, Notre Dame, they've got a new starting quarterback this year. The transfer, Sam Hartman from Wake Forest. We'll ask him if he plans to keep that luscious beard back for another year. Welcome back to College Football Live. We're talking about the Irish again and talking about their new quarterback, Sam Hartman, transferred in from Wake Forest this offseason. Now he will be the starting quarterback for the Irish this season. He's got the most career passing yards and touchdowns of any active quarterback in all of FBS. Sam Hartman with us. Sam Acho back with us. The Sam and Sam Show. I'm just here in the middle, and you guys are stuck with me regardless. Sam, uh, we were just talking offline. I've had the opportunity to cover your career for a long time, all the way through Wake Forest, and even before that when you were in high school, Davidson Day, Oceanside. What would you say to the guy who was a high school player dreaming about just playing college football, and now you're the starting quarterback at Notre Dame? Um, hold on. It's going to be a bumpy ride. I think that would probably be the best way to describe it. Um, but just stick the course. I mean, I think for anybody out there, not that I'm super influential in this world, but um, just, just stick the course. I mean, I think hard work and, and a good attitude will get you very far. And um, I think that's kind of been the thing that's held me together this entire time. And um, I have a really good mom and a really good dad and have some really close friends that are there um, whenever things go well or bad and um, enjoy it. I think mean, those would be the things. You guys are going to be traveling a long way. Going to start the season, first game with the Irish, and you're going to start it off in Ireland playing Navy. What are the feelings about getting to start your career with the Irish in Ireland playing in that game? Uh, surreal. I mean, I think uh, obviously Notre Dame Stadium has all the history and all the allure that you know you want in a, um, a really a, a football stadium and then you get to go to Dublin Ireland where like you said we get to play in front of the Irish and I know the Notre Dame faithfuls from the states will be there in full colors so uh, incredible opportunity incredible experience that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, just transitioning quickly you talked about some of those receivers A.T. Perry, Jaquari Roberson it's going to be a new offense here at Notre Dame what do we expect or what can we expect to see offensively? Um, I mean, obviously up front, we can start there. You got, you know, two of the best tackles in the country. Um, and then in the interior, you got Zeke Corral at center, who's um, he's he's awesome. He's he's one of the boys, but he's when when football gets set, he's ready to go. When the lift starts, he's ready to go. Um, and then the running back room, right? You got Audric Estime, who's kind of the feature back of 
of that team and obviously his size and the way he runs, you know, does the talking. And then out wide, we got a crew of guys, you know, you know, JT, Toby, Steve, or, um, you have all the types of everybody in, in that room is going to, you know, make things happen. Dion, you got a young guy, Rico. Um, I mean, it's, it's a crew and they're going to get the ball. And I think the, the identity will come. I mean, I think we're going to want to run the ball. We're going to want to be physical up front, dominate the line of scrimmage, and then, um, you know, take shots and, and spread the ball around the field. So um, we're going to be balanced. We're going to go deep. We're going to go short. We're going to go A-gap, B-gap. We're going we're gonna to do it all and um, do it with physicality and, and details and um, let everything else take care of itself. Sam, I know you're excited to get the season going, and we talked about how it's going to start, but I also want to talk about your last home game of the year because it's going to be against Wake Forest. I know that's a program that means a lot to you. Have you even thought about what the emotions are going to feel like for you? Yeah, I mean, it'll definitely be weird. I mean, I think that's uh, obviously something on the schedule that you kind of are like, ah, man, you got to do that one. And um, But I think, like I've said many times in many interviews, is it's, it's a one-week season. Each week we're going to take – um, you know, the full accountability of this team and their players. And um, obviously I'll know the team pretty well and know our opponent and how they prepare. But, um, again, I'm going to go in like every other game and, and play and, and take it, take them seriously, take them as, as serious as every other game. And we'll do the same for week one, week 12, um, all the way through. You're the old guy in the locker room, but a, a new guy on campus. The beard is always a topic of conversation. It's still there. I guess we'll see what happens with the, the beard this season, Sam. You, you're going to let us in here? Yeah, I think we'll, we'll let it go. Kind of. I've Sadly, I'm just starting to watch Game of Thrones. I know I'm far <laughs> behind. So I kind of feel in the Jon Snow, okay. King of the North. I'm up north now, King of the North kind of feel. And just let it go and, and see what happens. Last year it was Peaky Blinders. Now it's, it's Game of Thrones. I like it. Sam, we appreciate it. Good luck this year. Can't wait to see what you do at Notre Dame. Yeah, of course. Great talking. Go Irish. Today's edition of College Football Live, but just like Oklahoma and Texas, we are looking ahead to SEC Media Days on Monday. We'll see you then.